I think it would be a depressing state if you just think that that we're just, we don't know why we're here and there's no higher order, or there's no purpose. We're just here and then we're gone. I mean, to me, that's a that's personally depressing. The essence of who we are is enough as it is because we were made in the image of God. That is my belief. And what, we're, what we are striving for in life is to be reconnected to that source. I don't want to have to perform. I don't want to have to go to your fucking potluck. I don't want to have to go to your Bible study. I don't want any of it. I just want someone to tell me that I'm okay and that Jesus loves me. This I know. Should we sing it? Carrie Underwood style. People should be able to partner up with whomever they want to partner up with. But I don't think that all of a sudden this idea of traditional partnership should be bemoaned. As an American woman, I refuse to believe and refuse to, to like promulgate this narrative that we're oppressed. I won't do it. Woo, amen, sister. Rebecca's combination of intelligence, wit, and candor is why I love her so much and why I had to include the second half of our conversation in another episode. Rebecca and I dive deeper into the topics of faith, spirituality, the church, feminism, and partnership. You know, the light stuff, along with some other nonsensical segues. Enjoy part two of my conversation with Rebecca Eilith. We've lost the ability to live with dichotomy, with withholding two things at the same paradox. time. Yeah, paradox or even like wrestling with two different ideas at the same time. It has to be this one or this one. Right. People have lost that ability to critically think and go, okay, both of these can be true. Right. But I just, I'm, I take this position and let me tell you why. And I'm always open for someone to say, well, let me tell you why I believe this. And if you have a really good argument, I'm happy to change my mind. Right. But typically most people don't have a really good argument these days, particularly it's just because I said so, or, right. <laughs> or well, we're not- going to stop talking altogether. It's not grounded in principle. I mean, I think that's the whole cancel culture yeah. and I have to be really careful not to cancel. It's so easy to cancel people. Because, you know, I've tried to really practice that. Okay, like this is really irritating, but I don't want to be someone, I don't want to be canceled. But so how can I like not be that person that's canceling people? It's just so much easier to be like, oh, I'm writing you off. Like you're ridiculous. Well, it's yeah. not, I, it's not cancel. Like I don't cancel people. I don't think you should not have a right to speak or not be heard or be kicked off whatever it is, Twitter or whatever platform that you're spewing nonsense on. <laughs> but, but I can also be like, Oh my God. If you would just give me something with a, with a grain of conviction or tell me why, or, you know, and that's hard on Twitter. It's like, I don't think you should be canceled, but I also don't want to sit around and listen to your nonsense. I just don't think Twitter is a good, I, I I find myself, I'm just definitely like, feel like I'm such an old lady, but I do find myself becoming more and more irritable when I hear the reference like even in podcast interviews that you listen to, it's like, oh, so-and-so tweeted the other day, this quote. And it's like, why is this even a thing? Like, yeah. why do we even have, why are we even going to Twitter? Like, why is that the the place of discourse? Why is that the place where we're pulling quotes from? Why, why isn't it that in this, you know, reputable academic publishing place or in this, like, why? To, I just, I'm just more, I just get more irritated now because it's kind of like, I just I'm- feel like- is that people, you know, by the way, people have really made some very bad choices and ruined their careers because they're, it's such an easy thing to just go like, here, this is what I think. 
Yeah, and for and and forty characters or less. I mean, I've always thought it, when it started happening, I guess who was the first president? Was it Obama, the first president to start like tweeting? I'm like, this yeah. is very oh, strange to me. They all just should stay off of it. They should all just, they should just not. And I don't agree. I think Elon Musk said, this is the new public square. I'm like, no, it's not. There's like 10% of the world on, it's the elites on Twitter. Like this well, is just, not the public square to me. Well, people who, in my opinion, it's people who like to hear themselves think. And a lot of it is these public intellectuals that really want their, their, all their, for the most part, they just need their voice to be heard because they're trying to perform for something that they're trying to defend, you know, whether it's their company, whether it's their political, you know, campaign. And it's, it's kind of like, to me, it's just kind of lame. You know, the smartest people that I know are not spending copious amounts on, of time on Twitter, arguing for their, for whatever mm. they, it's like, who the fuck cares? Like, just, I don't know. I understand. Believe me, I understand what is required to, in order to have influence and in order to like promote something. And or like, I get it. I totally mm -hmm. get. It. And I'm not saying people shouldn't do it. I just think personally, it's ridiculous. You know, it's like if that's where your value is coming from, and you believe that you have to do that in order to have value, you're barking up the wrong. Not even the wrong tree. You're like in the wrong playground. <laughs> you're in the wrong forest on the wrong continent you know it's not it just doesn't it doesn't do anything to fulfill it just doesn't yeah yeah i i would agree with that um and the problem is is that again it's not local you're trying to convince a mob you're trying to convince everybody you're not convince everybody but like you said it i i find it interesting to observe i go on there to observe like i said i sometimes go on there to practice like making a defense or an argument succinctly because I tend to pontificate way too much. But what um, does that do for you really? Like not to like no, put nothing. Back, but like, but why, but why even spend one ounce of time like making that your forum for learning how to do anything? Like why? Because where else? I mean, if I, if I end up in a policy sphere, right, I'm going to have to learn how to make an argument and do it in, in very clear and concise manner whether it's on Twitter, I'm just saying that's a, that's a practice right. space for me. I, I, I can't, I guess I could write it down and not send it right. And not put it yeah. out there. I could see something on Twitter and go, okay, this would be my response to this. How can I write it succinctly? Yeah. But I probably, I mean, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll start doing that. Well, I'm not thinking you should, I I'm just posing the question because I do think that, yes, of course, it's good to kind of see, it's a good litmus test for what people are responding to, but any of those platforms are pretty, again, like they're pretty much of an echo chamber with light people that are thinking in one way. Okay. And it's not necessarily a great test for how it would be in the real world. That's all I'm saying. It's like, how, how would it be, how is that useful in terms of the real world type of stuff. Well, the situations on there are real or in the real world, right? Like on any given day, it's, it's abortion rights. The situations are real. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, it's not like it takes up, it maybe takes up 10 minutes of my day. No honest. going on Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just curious. Cause I, have, I I'm not I going for the followers. I'm not going for any sort of influence. Right. And to be honest, I'm like, wow. I think it's Some fascinating. People, I, do, I that's what I'm saying. I do it almost as an, an observation. I'm like, yeah. wow, people really don't understand what our country is about. That's amazing. 
it's like culture. It's almost interesting to go on there to understand like where we're at culturally. That's yeah. Because I like what's trending. It's like, okay, well, who says that's trending? I don't know. I just, um, I, I think that, I think that any, most of these platforms, again, this is just my opinion of technology. It's mostly neutral to begin with. It's not, it's not good or bad. It's at what we mm. apply to it. Mm-hmm. And I think they all have utility. I think that at some point Facebook had utility and you know, Twitter has utility and a lot of these places, it's great. You know, it's like you can connect and Instagram has been really great, I think for small businesses or people that are trying to promote something. But um, I, I just wish, or my hope is that it, it stops being so over-indexed upon as Mm -hmm. a way for people to really understand the real state of affairs. This is like, this is not everyday life. And now we've kind of bifurcated our lives into our real lives and our physical lives and our virtual lives. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff is really going south for lack of better terms, because we now have to have two identities. We have Mm. to have 14 genders. We have to have two identities. We have to have, I mean, it's like, can we just catch a break? Like, can we just be who we are and like be perfectly satisfied to just be in our bodies? I mean, it's, I don't know. I think it's really, um, we just have to be careful with all of it because it becomes very overwhelming. And I think that is also why anxiety is so high. I hear people saying, oh, well, you know, I had to do that on social media and then I had to do that. And then I had to go pick up my kids. And I'm thinking the fact that you even said you had to do that on social media, like why? And that was above pick up your kids. Why are you spending (laughs) one ounce of time on social media making a statement? Like who cares, you know? Yeah. No, I get it. But like you said, I think it's just holding a mirror up to our culture. And that's what I, I'm just observing at this point. I'm like, wow, people, I'm like, how, why is this a thing? Like the Will Smith thing. I'm like, why is this even a thing? Like, who the hell cares? I don't care about wow. like. I mean, that's, yeah, I think I mean, maybe, is- maybe it's a, again, it's a statement about our culture at large and violence, but it's just like, I can't get into this debate. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Do you not think the Will Smith thing was a thing? I, I, I was surprised at how much of a thing it was. What did you, what did you think should have happened to him? I don't care. I don't know. Don't I care. can't think of it. I don't care. Look at the Academy, really. The, he's, I don't care. Let God yeah. deal with it. I don't, you know, it's his life. I, yeah. I, it, this is not something that, that really. Well, it's also like most the, of the world. Right. I was going to say, I just thought, I think it's so funny. It's funny to your point. It's like, Hollywood is the biggest echo. And there's nothing more narcissistic than a room full of people self-congratulating each other for the jobs, for showing up to work. You know, it's like, it's, it's like that. Yeah, that's your job. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's fun. The awards. I'm not, I love a good award show as next, as much as the next person. But I think that the fact that that is then what captures people's attention and just goes on and on and on. It's just like, to the point of like, they just need the attention. It's like the machine of the attention that they just need all of this attention. When I and I also say this is just a reflection of of the micro of where what people value. I mean, if people valued God and community more, they'd be going to church more. But instead, their church is now the political sphere or Hollywood or, like you said, I you know I always say, you're putting your faith in something whether you know it or not. Yeah, that's true. Your belief is in something. Either you believe and you believe the highest order is God's order and law, or you believe the academy, it holds the high, you know, and, and what his punishment. I'm like, I could care. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I just, I've never heard of it said like that before. Like no matter what you, like you are putting your faith in something we all have, we all need, I think it's part of the human, human nature, right. And to have a belief that there's something bigger and, and, and like, forget heaven and hell. Like it's just something bigger that is out there, whether it's nature, whether I'm just speaking from like a standpoint of how a lot of people that I know think about it, that I don't necessarily believe in God. It's like, they're still seeking something. There's a full, yes, they're seeking some, and I think that's part of human nature. And and this is why I said I was having this conversation with someone at work the other day. Is like to me, it fundamentally comes down to what is your belief about human nature? What mm-hmm. do you believe is the the natural state of humans? You're either just a part of a cog in a wheel. At you you you're right. born, you breathe, you eat, you shit, you die, you work. Yeah. What's the purpose? Or you're teleological. There's a purpose. There's a higher order. There's a bigger right. meaning. You're here for a reason. And right. it's not random. And somebody's got some grand plan of order. Yeah. And yeah. And and if if you start to whittle down people, like I just start asking them questions about their beliefs. And then they start to get like confused. And they yeah. see maybe how what they're spouting or their ideologies or their opinions don't actually align with what is what they believe is fundamentally to be what it means to be human. Um, yeah, and then just, some people do believe like, like, you know, it's, it's more of a, a dark, not a dark, well, Darwin and um, Rousseauian. It's like, we're all, just, there is no bigger purpose. I mean, some people do believe that that's like the atheists. It's like, no, we, we just know what's good. I'm like, the biggest, the biggest, the genius on, on these kinds of arguments is C.S. Lewis to me yeah. about like human nature and purpose and stuff like, because a lot of people do believe it's like, oh no, we just know what it means to be good. I'm like, do we though? <laughs> yeah. And I also think that for me personally, if I didn't feel like I was here for, so, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a big purpose or a big no. reason just be being kind to your neighbor and to your family and to setting a good example for people. But gosh, it's like, I think it would be a depressing state if you just think that, that we're just, we don't know why we're here and there's no higher order. Or there's no purpose. We're just here. And then we're gone. I mean, to me, that's a, per, that's personally depressing. It's yeah. it, it, it like makes me not want to get out of bed in the morning. And I've been there for sure. Like I don't really think this is like anything like what, you know, and it's just a, it's this really scary spiral into kind of nothingness. (laughs) And I've, like I said, I was there for many years, like at the height of it, I was just like, I don't get why I'm like, I I see this humanness and it's just like, take me out. You know, it's like, I, I, it's funny because I was so steeped in my spiritual practices then I was at the height of like, you know, yeah. I'd just gotten back from India and yeah. all of this stuff. And gosh, five months later, I was in a psyche ER. Well, and it wasn't liberating for you. No. It's like some people, they find their way out in that way. But, but I do think that it's, um, it's almost like someone has to just tell you that you're enough just here. Like you sitting there, me sitting here, that's enough. Mm-hmm. That's like, we are, as we were intended to be, we do have a purpose. We have to work. We have to put one, but it's like the essence of who we are is enough as it is. 
because we were made in the image of God. That is my belief. And what we're, what we are striving for in life is to be reconnected to that source. That is the only reason all of this stuff is just our vessel, our vehicle for reclaiming what's rightfully ours. That's again, my personal belief. It's like, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's what keeps me from like fit, falling into depression. That's what keeps me going. Okay. I think I'm going to like get up and write something today, or I'm going to try to like go out of my way to, to call a friend or to do something nice for someone. It's because I know that like me, just like just being in my own stuff is that's not why I'm here. It's, they can't be, it can't be why I'm here. Otherwise there's no point. There isn't any point, you know? It's like we're so much to- parallel between, I mean, we're saying it with a lot, um, coarser language, <laughs> the themes between what my pastor and I talked about in the past episode and this one, they're very yeah. similar. We just, yeah. we just have a different way of relating. I, I also just have a, a, a real bad attitude about, I mean, I grew up in a very religious school, which is a, I had a great education, but pretty religious, um, family, not crazy, but And I just, I think that there's a lot of the Jesus talk that turns people off. Mm -hmm. So what I've tried to do over the course of my life is to figure out a way to just live it in a way that it sets an example and not have to talk about my beliefs so much. And then when Mm -hmm. someone says, what do you believe? I will happily tell you. But I think that the, where religion particularly organized religion has gone very wrong is that it has become so rigid that it then becomes, again, when you look at the horseshoe, Mm -hmm. that very, which, you know, I grew up in a non-denominational Christian environment that where there was very little room for error, Mm. very little room for real personal growth and this things were supposed to be in done in this particular way. And if you didn't do it in this particular way, then you, it wasn't enough and it wasn't right. And so I've spent my whole adult life reinventing my understanding of God and Jesus and religion and all of it, because I know that I'm a spiritual person and someone who believes in all those things. Right. But the way that I, the way that I was taught was not, um, in my opinion, it led to a healthy belief system for me. So I just, for me, it's just like, I don't have any problem saying what I believe and like fully living it, but I try to be more neutral in my language at Mm -hmm. times because I don't want to turn people off. That's just me, me personally. That's mm-hmm. always happened. It's it's not yeah. anything. And and I will, I have friends that are, I have Jewish friends. I have, you know, Buddhist friends. I have Christian friends. I have, and it, to me, it all boils down to, you know, are you living in a way that is loving and kind and, um, but you're convicted about your belief in God, you know, and, um, it's, it's, but I also, you know, again, if you really want to talk about freedom, it's like people are free to choose however they want to believe, but they don't have the freedom to judge you for your own beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, they can disagree with you. So anyway, it's, yeah, I think I still, I think I'm still figuring out what exactly I believe in some ways, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I feel a lot 
more grounded, but I, I've had a lot of, uh, I have a lot of bad taste in my mouth from what I think a lot of people do from the way they were yeah. born and raised. I mean, I, I, it's funny. I was brought up similarly as far as like, it's a very thin line of what's right and what's wrong. Um, not a lot of room for error, but it wasn't in the name of Jesus. It wasn't in the name of religion. It was just, yeah. this is the way. So I probably, if it was in the name of that, again, we were all taken on a, a journey for a reason, you know, very specific, yeah. very specific parents for a very specific, I believe the lessons we need to learn to finally be free yeah. and to find that connection that we're seeking. And, um, yeah. you know, I think I'm, a, I'm a little more vocal about it because I, I, uh, I had this very deep experience with other spiritual yeah. practices, you know, and, yeah. and I see where that led me. And then the freedom that I got from Jesus. And now I understand like what it means to be free. And it doesn't mean yeah. do whatever you want. It's me, me. It's all about me. It, it, freedom does not come from, I'm free to be me anytime I want all the time. Let me express and myself. You have to accept me for that fully and correct. And, and if you don't, then right. you're just not conscious enough to see. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where, uh, well, and I think too, with, with church and, um, I'm now going to this little church here in Springfield that has like, you know, 10 people in it and I love it. Um, but what I, what I have experienced with churches over the course of, you know, my 25 years out of my home, my growing up is like, you know, I just want to go and hear the gospel. I want to mm-hmm. sing some gospel music. I want to hear the gospel. I don't want to hear your political beliefs. I don't want to hear some funny story, but I just want you to, to, to show, to tell me a story about how Jesus did this and how that is an exemplary, um, you know, way of how we should live. That's what I want. And then I want silence and I want to be able to pray and I want to be given the space. I don't want to have to perform. I don't want to have to go to your fucking potluck. I don't want to have to go to your Bible study. I don't want any of it. I just want someone to tell me that I'm okay and that Jesus loves me. This I know. Should we sing it Carrie Underwood style? Can we please? No, but I mean, truly, it's, 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 it's we've just built this whole thing around this very simple message. And we've constructed... Yeah. All of these things in the name of Jesus. Like, Jesus doesn't care about that. Jesus does not care. Jesus doesn't. Well, Jesus yes, and the prostitutes and the you know the the taxpayers and or the tax, tax collectors. collectors. <laughs> yes, Jesus is the taxpayers. Yeah. Love the tax collectors. <laughs> but but it's it's kind of like you know I love Jesus the way that Jesus I think was intended, which is a servant, someone who was you know, had 12 people following him around, not, you know, thousands. That was very, that showed, it's like, show me, don't tell me, show me. And that, that's what resonates with me because I've just been so hurt and yeah. damaged in a way, not damaged, it's a really strong word, but like, uh, turned off by these big, now a lot of them woke, frankly, churches where it's almost like this cultish zealousness around, yeah. you know, the, the religion. And it's just like, come on, can we just like chill out for a second? Well, and I mean, there, I find, here's what I find is that we all are searching for belonging to, and a church can 
be that thing. Like I feel very differently as being a member of this church that I'm in, that I go to every Sunday that I love, than I do the spiritual communities. Yeah. Because the, 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 at the peak of the book, at the center of the belonging is Jesus, right? It's not a guru. It's not, it's not a human. It's so, and Jesus wanted us, like there's a relationship between us and the church. Now that relationship I do believe has gone to tainted, like, like, yeah, like, you know, humans in the way human. Yeah. And, but that's what you, when everyone's like the Roman Catholic church and the Catholic church. And I was like, yeah, but it's made up of humans. You have to yeah. realize this. Yeah, this and is I think not here. So it doesn't have to be perfect. I think that that is also what I've concluded. It's like it's made up of imperfect people. But but what I saw oftentimes was, and my mom has said this. And my mom is a very devout Christian, and I have a lot of respect for her faith. She's faithful like to the end. But what we even talked about, she's like, you know, I think a lot of times at like church gatherings and Bible studies, you don't really want to talk about what's going on because you're trying to put on a persona for people. So people don't judge you because you, you want to be a good Christian. And so then mm. you are in these places, it's not like going to an AA meeting or an Al-Anon meeting or, you know, a group therapy session where you are united by your demons and your grief and your trauma. And, you know, all these things that really open us up to things. It's not like the being good Christian that makes our spiritual practice or our, our religious fervor deeper. It's the stuff where we connect on the things that we're struggling with, on the things that have brought us to our knees. That's, mm-hmm. that's where we grow. And I think that spiritual institutions often become places where people actually don't feel free to say how they're actually feeling because it's a country club, mm. you know, or it's, so anyway, that's, it's, it, again, there's no right yeah. and wrong. I think that you have to show up how you show up, but I'd, for me personally, I just rather be in a place where people are not trying to showcase anything. They're just there kind of being, you know, they're there to, to connect and to commune. And that's really all And and to become better and to have accountability with people and to be real, you know? Yeah. I always just play. And again, because I haven't had the experience that you had, right. I, I, so many people I talk to have been hurt by the church and have been hurt by, you know, this very, indoctrinated way belief of Jesus or whatever it is, but like, well, male uh, dominated too. I mean, frankly, it's yeah, male dominated, like not in in the right way. When you think about leadership, manliness and leadership and all that stuff, it's, it's very, very, very destructive, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other topic, but what I was going to say is I also see like the, the um, kind of the spiral that we talked about that comes with bonding only over your traumas and your, do you know what I mean? It it can kind of keep us there. And I go to church to be inspired to like you said, hear the word and to be inspired by the way Jesus lived to get out of, because now I feel like if you're not talking about sharing your wounds and your vulnerabilities, then, then are you even human? Like, are you even, (laughs) you know, and, and uh, that wasn't helpful for me. So I see it in a different way. But I wasn't, I wasn't saying like, you're to go into those things to talk about all of your trauma. I was saying that you're free in a church environment to say, Hey, you know, I'm ha- I really just don't feel like connected to anything. And mm-hmm. I feel like very sad because, you know, I lost someone or whatever. And, and by the way, like my son's a drug addict and uh, I'm just really having a bad day. 
and that's what it is. It's not like wallowing, but, yeah. but it, I feel like there, there has to be the freedom in an environment like that, where you can say like, this is what I'm struggling with. And it's not like, oh, you're struggling because you're not a good Christian. It's like, no, you're str- struggling because you're human. Mm. This is where we come for redemption and support. Mm-hmm. And now we're, we're going to like, we'll, we'll support you in getting through it. As opposed to like, what I think oftentimes what happens is if you have struggles, then you must not be a good, I know I'm a bad Christian. Like I'm a bad Christian. Like I'll like, but you know what I'm saying? I don't think there's anything. No, but it's like what Andy Lamott says, like, I'm a bad Christian. Like I'm trying, like I'm trying to do things, but like we all struggle and that's the whole point. Yeah. Well, and again, I haven't had, that's not been, I've been to one church pretty much. And it's just been so lovely. And Chris our pastor talks about it. It's like, we are a, in a, we are family and it's messy and it's going to get ugly. Um, it's called vintage. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah, vintage. Is it vintage church in Ventura? Oh, it's in Malibu. Yeah. Well, there's one in Santa Monica. The biggest one was founded in Santa Monica. And then it's got like branches where the Malibu, where the, where the Malibu branch, but, um, but yeah, he talks about it. It's like, he's like, it's a family and it's going to get messy. And yeah. it's going to, you know, and can we have compact and how do we behave as Christians towards each other? Right. And, and there's no, I don't ever feel like, I mean, I, I'm for the first three months, I was just bawling my eyes out and everybody yeah. just either left me alone or it, I think yeah. they sensed when I wanted someone when I didn't. And it was just, I felt free to like go through whatever I was going through and then it be done. That's you know what, what I mean? The first that resonates with me is when I can, when I just cry, when I just sit there and I'm just like crying, it's like, okay, this is like the place for me. When I go and I feel like if I like cry or if I feel like, and I feel like people are judging me, it's like, this is not a place for me. And I've been to so many churches. I'm kind yeah. of like, but like I I'll go like I can get you something church from, slot. Yeah. Love I can it. get something from anywhere. Like I can go in to anywhere and yeah. if I'm in my I can find something positive about it. But then it's like where's the place that feels the most? And I just also think and I don't know what it is, but I'm just a very private person and we mm-hmm. live in a world that does not value privacy and I to me my spiritual life is very personal and my in my relationship with other people, with God, it's very private. And so I always felt awkward, like talking about my spiritual, I don't know. It's just, I, I just, I like privacy and I don't want to be like, you know, dancing in the aisles or it's just not my personality. So I think part of it is, um, to me, it's a very, I, I like the community aspect of people that you can talk to about similar beliefs, but I don't like to showcase it. I just don't. Yeah. And that's, so, well, that's what changed with I, me. It's like, I don't have to, I don't have to display <laughs> this all out anymore, you know, which you're was such, ecstatic so, dance. So. Yeah. You're ecstatic. I know you're, I know you were doing that. I know you were gyrating against the wall. <laughs> I don't know. I, I might have to cut a video version of this one. Oh my God. I think you will. Oh, is this not, is this not a video? I do it. I record it on video, but to be frank, if I may be frank, why don't you be Francine instead of Frank? I think you should be. Is there, is there, is there, I'm sorry. Is there a non, is there a gender neutral term for Frankie? Frankie? Just say Frankie. Frankie Frankie works. Be Frankie about it. I'm going to be Frankie about it because Frank feels very misogynistic. Um. (laughs) Who is Frank, by the way, Frank, who made that term up to be Frank? Like who's Frank? Let's go. Let's talk about that for a minute. Who the hell is Frank? Is Frank, is his real name Francis? 
Is it is it a Francophile? Is it? Short I don't know, but we can't look to history. We just have to affirm that it's yeah. Frankie right now. It's yeah. Frankie. It's Frankie. Um, so to be Frankie. <laughs> And now I don't even remember what I was going to say. To be frank, you're going to say the video versus the. Oh, to be frank. Because we look so pretty, you want it on video because we look so good. No, please. I put on makeup. I put on eyeliner. I mean, I know I put on mascara. That's about it. Some highlighter. So I don't have so more makeup anymore. Um, farm. You live it on the farm in overalls and with your Yeti mug. I was okay. What I was going to say is to be Frankie. I just don't have the time right now. I'm just like so busy, Rebecca, that I don't have the time to like do all these edits. Wait. How, oh, oh, I see. Were you say how were you busy? <laughs> Half of it out. No, I know you're very busy, and you're very busy. It's just I'm a you very was, important person, Rebecca. I'm, very, I'm a very important person. I know it's all good. I have to. I have to Instagram and tweet about my life. It's very important. Yeah, why don't you get on Twitter and do some observation? <laughs> oh my God. You need to go get your abortion in California. What? Go get an Yeah, then you can go get your abortion this afternoon. While it's still legal. We talked about it today. Oh, I, I don't think that's changing anytime soon in California. No. No. Most places. No. Not so much. It's been a delight. I mean, this isn't, this could go on for hours and I'm not sure how interesting it would be to other people, but I know we would be highly entertained Probably by ourselves. Not. <laughs> you got to cut out the, you got to cut the best parts in. Oh, this is usually, I don't edit. Like I said, I'm very busy. I don't have time to edit. Okay. Well, I don't think anyone's going to watch this whole thing or listen to the whole thing, but that's they may. okay. As long as they get me snorting and you doing your Carrie Underwood, I think oh my God. we're fine. Okay. All right. Jesus, well, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Actually, I think he, like I said the other day, I think he's kind of taking a nap right now. He's like, I'm out, guys. He's like, you guys figure it out. Like, I tried made, the best I could. made a mess out of everything. So I, I would like to think that I've got the wheel right now. Jesus is like on a, he's on a sabbatical, if you will. <laughs> taking a little snooze. I, I mean, you might be right. I think, uh, I think he's like, okay, humans, do you think you're so smart? with your AI and your electric yeah. vehicles, yep. go drive yourself. Yeah, he is. He's taking a little snooze. It's fine. He'll be back. Okay. All right. I just don't understand this concept that telling people they're victims and telling people they're oppressed into perpetuity is healthy. And it doesn't allow actual change and growth because now you have a mindset that says, oh, I'm a victim. I mean, that's the thing I actually resent. And I had to, I think I talked about that in the piece I wrote to you. It's like, people are telling me, oh, I'm a woman. So this, this, and this is true. And I have to, I have to um, look at that through my own experience. I'm like, actually, no, it's not true. Yeah. I've been really supported by men in my life, probably more so than women. Right. And so you're telling me one thing that doesn't jive with my personal experience, yet I believed into the thing you told me because you were so convincing about it. I, I do think that there is a huge problem in general with um, men being violent towards women. I think that that is that, and that's kind of what Julie Mandel talks about in her book, um, Liberal, uh, Feminism for Women, which is that the original feminist movement political movement was about ending violence against women and girls, sex trafficking, prostitution. 
now you have to call them sex workers. It's not like they're prostitutes and, and they're trapped. It's like, no, yeah. this is like, we are, this is not the narrative <laughs> we're going for. It's not, we're not softening this thing up. And so I think almost it's, like it's an, it's a, it's a, it's an empowering choice to be a sex worker. You're like, right. right. Yeah. So you're choosing the work. So I think that her point, and like I said, the 70, 30 rule, 30% of what she says, I completely disagree with, but the fundamentals of where she's coming from and the original agenda of the feminist movement, I strongly, I still strongly believe, which mm -hmm. is that women need to not be put in positions where if, if there's violence against them or, you know, the, those it, in really in America, um, it's still a huge problem, but that is what the real feminist movement is about. It's like ending that cycle of violence against women and girls. And then, and now it's become this kind of second wave feminist movement of equality and every, she's like, it's not about equality. Feminism is not about equality. It's about, mm -hmm. it's about women having protection and women being able to voice their opinions without being worried about um, backlash. You know, it's, it's the equality of really uh, the quality of life, you know, and, and feeling safe and feeling protected. And so anyway, I just think um, just like anything else with kind of this wokey wokesters movement, um, it's like, oh, I'm a feminist. And then like the men are like, I'm a feminist too. And it's like, you're not a fe feminist. You can't, you're, that's, just, this is not, this is a women's movement and it, it's a political movement to end violence against women. And if you want to call in women's liberation, and she talks about feminism, really what it is, it's about women's liberation. It's about women's freedom. And I think that women over the course of history have been subjugated mm -hmm. and, but we have made such strides thanks to by and large, the feminist political movement, you know, we've made a lot of strides and there have been we, we, our generation is very different from even our mother's generation and what we're able to accomplish. And now we're supposed to somehow like feel badly about, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's also curious to me because it's like, no, we should be grateful. I'm super grateful for the generation before me that did this. And how do we keep liberating ourselves? How do we keep encouraging young women to be financially independent, which is not about equality. It's about independence. It's about liberation. It's about standing on your own two feet, which not to go back to the book, but that's really what it's about. It's like, stand on your own two feet, learn how to have an opinion, learn how to stand up for yourself. You know? And the men will follow suit, by the way. They will. The good ones will show up for that. Yeah. And I think they, I think for the most part, they have, like, I just don't, I've never felt oppressed or that I couldn't achieve something because I'm a woman. Like, I think we achieved that a while ago and now it's just gone way beyond like even the second, third wave, like what he talks about, like you have to acknowledge that there are inherent differences just biologically between men and women. And in that we are physically weaker and some men have taken advantage of that. Like you said, so it's about, it is about our protection. It's not about manning up. Like, I don't want to have to Right. man up to protect myself. Like that's the, and, and, no, I, and I want my husband to be able to protect, like I want correct. to protect myself, but I do think that there's moments where I do want to feel protected by my brothers, by my father, correct. By my husband, because that is physically more viable, you know, than anyway. Yeah. It, and also like, but, just now that I'm living out here, like in the middle of nowhere in a city that I really don't know anyone yet. It's like, 
my husband left five days after we moved here. He left for five days and I was like, I have a gun, you know, and we have a gun, a gun safe or gun room and a safe room and everything in our house. But I thought, if people really understood what it means to be protected by a man, they would all want it. Because if someone in the middle of the night breaks into my house, that is 20 miles from the city to 20 miles from town. And I'm by myself. You better be damn sure that I want my husband there because I have a better shot at like, no pun intended, but a better shot at like not being hurt. If my six foot two husband is in the house protecting me. And I don't see that as a weakness. I see that as something that's just real. It's reality. Reality. And you know, that's, and that's what what I'm, wrong with that, you know, nothing. And, and, but the second and third wave feminine, I mean, I think we're way beyond second there. We're like in fifth wave and it's just gotten more ridiculous as it's gotten along. But like the second or third wave feminists were of all like, it, it wasn't about embracing the things that make us unique as women. It was like, I almost want to be a man. I want the same. I want to have sex right. like a man. I want to have the opportunity, like I'm all for equal opportunity, but there's a reason women don't like a lot of women don't want to make the sacrifices that you need to make to be a CEO. I'm exhausted right right now. I would give anything to be partnered with a man. People should be able to partner up with whomever they want to partner up with. But I don't think that all of a sudden this idea of traditional partnership should be bemoaned. And like all of a sudden that's, oh, you're, you know, you must like, I don't know. I do. I think that there are misogynists everywhere. There are racists everywhere. There are sexists everywhere. There are all these people are always going to exist. They ha- always have, and they always will. Correct. We're never going to be able to get rid of all the bad apples, but to make that the norm and to, to have the narrative be that we're living in this oppressive as an American woman, I refuse to believe and refuse to, to like promulgate this narrative that we're oppressed. I won't do it because the second I do that, what I'm saying to my niece is, oh, you're going to have so many obstacles. You'll never be able to achieve because you're just by being a woman, you're oppressed. Fuck that. Like, no, you can do anything you want. You're smarter than, you know, 90% of the people in your class, like just go, you know, and then by the way, turn around and help others behind you. I mean, yeah. keep doing that. But this idea that we're supposed to capitulate and supposed to apologize all the time, that's the whole thing that the women's movement was trying to get away from mm-hmm. is apologizing for having their own thoughts and their own ideas about stuff. And now we're just back to it. We're back to square one, you know, yeah. apologizing. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. Like, there was such an interesting dive into when I wrote that paper into feminism, into the movements, into what happened, because when women all of a sudden, like said, we want as much control, we want as much power, we want as much. I'm like, first of all, why? Like, because when you realize it's just about power, you're like, "Mm, that doesn't feel good to me. And then, you know, men actually didn't know how to behave. So they're like, okay, you want to do all the things that men used to do. Now they're like, well, what do I do? What's my role? And it actually, kind of took them out of their masculinity, out of their protective. And now we have these, I mean, this is huge generalizations, but I think I can see the trend. We have these weak men that if they're called to fight, they're going to run. They rather run to Canada than fight. They'd rather just, you know, abandon ship than fight for anything. And I I think, yes, I think that's what the media wants us to believe. I don't know if that's actually true. Like when you, Oh, but I think it depends on where you live. Yes. I was going to say, it's like, that's not, 
that's not the experience here. I mean, people yeah. would, would just be, I mean, maybe in Nashville proper, but you know, I mean, there, there are still a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of real men, I think real men, whatever that means, it's, but it, but they're, they're out there. They just don't get the airplay because it's not popular, but it's well, like, yeah, that's what I mean. You, they would have you think that every man is this way. And I'm like, well, that's first of all, not the man I want. And, and that's not something it's like, I want, I think that should be a, that we should all strive. Like, yes, we should strive to be more complete, whole feeling human beings, but there are again, certain characteristics uh, you just view it in nature. Of, of I just masculine. Don't understand. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We were talking about before. Look at nature, like look at biology. Why are we denying, why are we living the, in this, like what Victor Davis Hanson calls this imaginarium mm-hmm. where like denying Love basic them. biological, you know, truths, truths, because we're hurting someone's feelings. It's like, no, no, he's going to go out and chop the wood and I'm going to stay inside and like, you know, read my book. And that's just perfectly barefoot and clean, Rebecca. Yeah. Well, that too. No, but he does the cooking. So yeah, that's right. He's a great, we're very, uh, we're very modern. You're very modern, but it's, you know, again, it's like, I think the other thing that gets lost, the nuance that gets lost when we talk in these generalizations is whatever happens in a coupleship is, um, an agreement between two. And those agreements look different for every single couple. Some couples choose, oh, she's going to go to work and he's going to stay home. Well, it doesn't mean he's not a man. It just means that they made a different choice. Right. And then, or he does the cooking and she does the laundry and takes the dog for the walk. Like it's all just individual choices within the coupleship. And so you can't very well make one distinction, like such a black and white distinction between what a relationship should look like in a, in a modern, I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's like. Because everyone's different. Like my husband, in some ways, it's like he does what would be traditionally women's roles, which is cooking. And, you know, he's really good at cooking and I'm terrible. And so, you know, it's just like you take yeah, on. I mean, those silly things, again, it's like I'm not arguing against like some sort of role switching. It's just the the big picture, like masculine and feminine dynamic. You know, it, it's um, like you said, the protective aspects of a man. And, and well, you want to come under, like you want to feel, I want to feel safe and protected. And a man, I think with a woman wants to feel safe emotionally so that men can reveal that part of themselves and the women give them the freedom to do that. And then the men protects the woman more fit. Like, you know, I just think there's a balance. Well, and I, I think that when men, when men are like in their lower self, they're predatory and when yeah. they're their higher self, they're protective. And when women are in their lower self, they are demanding and mm. um, and controlling. And in their higher self, they're loving and nurturing and kind. And I don't, I will die on that hill because that to me, it's like, I'm, I think gay women, same, gay men, same. It's like, it doesn't have anything to do with your sexual preferences. It's by bi- biology. Um, dictates that by and large and i think like from an energetic level it's like that's just what it is if you look at history that's what it is men at their worst are predators and women at their worst Mm. are controlling yeah and 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 freaking like psycho yeah and that's why twitter to me is twitter is a very (laughs) feminine space it's words like it's women are whether you're a man or a woman on there it's like 
what, what Jordan Peterson says, it's like a time to talk about toxic femininity. It is the space for toxic femininity because men will just like beat each yeah. other and then get it over with and be done. You know what I mean? Well, and women are very, can be very um, hurtful and very manipulative with vicious. words. Vicious. I think men, yes, men will fight each other, but they will also uh, be violent towards women, which is, yeah. I think that like for me, the only the only thing that I really would ever fight for on a feminist agenda would be to end violence against women, to yeah. end domestic violence, to, because I think it's the most <clears throat> form of um, women's liberation. And when, and like I've spent a lot of time, you know, working with the YWCA, which is like the domestic violence shelter and stuff. And it's like, you know, women who don't have an education and who don't have financial freedom get stuck in that loop, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if the progressive agenda wants to really put their money where their mouth is, they would figure out a way to get Educa educated, yep. financially independent, yep. because that is the only thing, the only thing that makes a difference between whether someone will leave a abusive relationship or not is financial independence. That's it. That's it's the one thing. That's it. Well, so I think there's some psychological, in some cases, there are some psychological but most of women, you're right. I do agree. I mean, no, I'd have to talk to because they can't afford to leave. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. can't afford they have nowhere yeah. to go. They have no there. Yes. Of course, the psychological aspects of it are a huge part of it, but if they, but data show if they have a job and they can afford to leave their partner and they don't need to financially depend on them, they will leave. Yeah. Yeah. And most of the time they'll stay gone Yeah. because then they get the support and that, but it's like without that, again, the abstract empathy stuff, like you can talk about all this stuff yep. till you're blue in the face. It's not going to do anything to really help, really help if any feminist. Like if you want to be a feminist, a real feminist, figure out a way to protect women and men are part of that conversation, but they aren't the ones that are going to, that are going to fight for it. Yeah. I think some men will, I think they do say, I, I do think some men will, but I, I, I think what's happening is we're being distracted by this gender stuff. It's like all of this horse and pony yeah, show. Julie circus. about that in her book. She's like the trans movement has actually done so much damage to the Absolutely. feminist Absolutely. It's crushed. It's, yep. it's, it's crushed. And now it's like, she's been called like a transphobic and all this stuff. And she's like, she has. I'm a lesbian feminist. I, and I'm being called a transphobic who hates women. I mean, it's like, there's absurd. a lot of people, well, Barry Weiss too, you know, she's yeah. gay, she's married to a woman and it's like, what? but they, yeah. then, the, then you're like somehow an uncle, it's the same in the, in the black movement, yeah. right? Like if, if black people, it's, it's the actual same thing. If, if there's black men and black women that argue for the empowerment of black people through education, then, then right, they're through, saying you're through, an uncle through, through, pull, uh, through, through making the expectation higher, higher, right? Through, then they're there. Also, yeah. Also making it achievable. Here's yeah. the, the seminal difference: is that all the stuff that's being bandied about under the auspices of like Black Lives Matter and feminine, it's all, it's not achievable. It's a pipe dream. It's yeah. not even achievable. So then you get to the the things that are achievable, and it's like, oh no, you're being demeaning and patronizing, and it's like, no, that's the only way forward. That's the only blueprint is education financial stability, like, but you have to work for that. You have to work for it. You can't actually just expect it. That's the problem. All of yeah. that requires work. Yeah. Requires and work. who Glenn Lowry talks about it. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're actually telling people that 
you can't achieve like by by giving um affirmative action you're telling people you can't achieve this on your own we need to give you it it is he's well and the system needs to be such that you can actually achieve it on your own and i think there have been poor bad systems in the past where you can't you know there 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 have there have been but i think for the most part if you're really willing to put in the work and to be consistent and in your you're like i want to be on the straight and narrow i want to get an education even a basic education you in this country you can yeah can achieve and that's the one thing it's like this is why the whole like celebrity is complaining about america it's like you're a celebrity from a different country that came over here and made your millions of dollars and you're complaining go back go back, go back? i know or the the ones i'm i'm going to canada i'm like see you with the door kicking on the way out so at, over it. at the most fundamental level i mean it's a great conversation for the 4th of july but it's like this country really has the best if you're entrepreneurial, if you're willing to work hard. I'm not saying it's the best system for like, you know, if you get really sick and you're poor. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm not arguing that. I'm saying if you're, if you're really willing to work and you're motivated and you, you know, you have a, a spirit of like a fight and that is, you know, it's very American. And I think that mm-hmm. that's, it's, that's the beauty of it. And why are people trying to come here in droves? I mean, what other country are people lining up at a border to go to? I mean, maybe France or like, you know, Switzerland, so, but not, it, but not, it's if people want to come here. You know, immigrants are part of the fabric. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason that is it's because of this, because of the fundamental system. It's not because everyone looks the same and everyone, you know, I'm going to be comfortable in a, in a, in a particular way of life. Yeah. I mean, you want that, that socialism, you want someone to take care of you. You want the, you want a patronizing state that socialism. And, and like you said, it's built into the very spirit of who we are. And that spirit comes from freedom and that freedom, I can tell you for me has only come through and not the church, not religion, but that, that freedom through Christianity, like that's where I experienced true freedom. And that is the freedom is the foundation. I don't think you can take the spirit right of our country and separate it from the political system because yeah. that's that spirit built the political system. Yeah. No, so. I, I, I agree. I mean, that, that was the fundamental, yeah, it was built on a Christian principles that said, we're not going to be under the crown and we're not going to be in a, living in a slave state because all people, not just all men, but all people have the right to freedom and to the freedom to choose and yeah. the freedom to choose how to practice your religion, how to live, who to, I mean, anyway, it's, um, and we started out right where we, where we had to do compromise, like the three fifths and all that. But yeah. look, I, I always say like, people are constantly focused on that. This country was built on slavery and I'm like, okay. And who was the first country to dismantle it? And to say this isn't right well, because still slavery. I mean, yes. Oh, I, oh I, I, exactly. That's a whole other that, story. The thing that we did to blacks in this country is atrocious. And I, I mean, but, but that's the how, thing the whole how, world how was not doing. Reconcil- how do we move forward from that in a way that is constructive? Yes. And I don't think the conversations going on now are that constructive. And I think obviously it's horrible what happened. It's horrible. It's horrible. What happened to women still getting sex trafficked from the Philippines. But I don't know how we live as humans if we are continually ball and chain to history without reconciling, forgiving, 
repairing and then moving forward. We can't, mm -hmm. we can't stay there. That doesn't help. That doesn't help the acknowledgement and the apology. Absolutely. That was terrible acknowledging it. Um, you know, but this idea that, you know, I own land, but that isn't my right because, it, because America was built on the backs of slaves. So all of a sudden me living in this, this 2022 doesn't have a right to that because this country was built on slavery. I mean, it's absurd, but that's when you take the argument all the way to the end, that's what it's saying. It's saying, mm -hmm. I, 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 my hard work, my discipline, my abilities don't give me the right to own a piece of property and to own land. That's the whole point of the constitution. That was, the fun that was one of the fundamental rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. They changed right. it to happiness, but it was property because they understood right. that property gave people freedom. To own something gave me the that freedom. That you can live off of, that you yes. can enjoy. Steward. The, the to, yes, to be a steward, to take care of, to take care of nature. And have we gotten way off that? Of course we have, of course, yes. But Christianity didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, that's not that overdeveloping cities and, you know, the, that's, that stuff was not, I mean, if you want to have a problem with capitalism, have a problem with capitalism, but that has nothing to do with Christianity. Mm -mm. It's yeah. totally separate. It's a totally separate. Anyway, this interview had a bit of an abrupt ending, but rest assured, Rebecca and I will continue our conversation over some adult beverages looking out on her farm in Tennessee. I hope you enjoyed listening to our pontifications and got a good giggle in as well. It's always good to remember to maintain a sense of humor during these challenging times. Don't forget to like the podcast, subscribe, and share it with some friends. Your support means a lot to me. Until the next conversation, stay connected.